very kind invitation. Um, I got to know Fabiana and Christina through our uh, diploma in counselling we did five years ago. Perhaps we started it four or five years ago. And uh, I got to know them through that. Um, I subsequently went on and I, I did a, a master's in counselling and uh, I now practice in St. Mark's Church where I've been on staff uh, for over 10 years and I'm now part of the pastoral team there. And uh, there I oversee our discipleship, our classes, and we run well-being days as well. So I know many of you are from Shalom Christian Fellowship, and many of you are also visiting from other churches, so you are all very welcome here today. And, uh, you know, of course, Shalom is a wonderful Hebrew word as we start our day of restoration. I'm sure many of you know what the word means. It means uh, to live from a place of peace, wholeness, a place of integrated wellness, and we read in Isaiah 32, 18, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places. So we see the word shalom used in different places in scripture, but it's used in this context of Isaiah 32, 18. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. And that, of course, is a picture of physical peace, which we enjoy in this country. Of course, not every country enjoys places of peace, but that speaks of being in a land of peace, but it also speaks of our soul being at a place of peace and our soul being in a place of rest because God desires that our inner landscape, our inner soul is a place of peace. And this can be quite a challenge, can't it? with all the stresses and strains and demands of life. But today, that is our hope, that God will lead us into a place of peace, into a renewed place of shalom, into a place of restoration. You will see here our theme for today is restoration and, uh, and that, you know, we can really receive something that will change us or set us on a new path in our walk with the Lord. I think a lovely psalm that speaks to this theme of restoration and being restored is Psalm 23. We will have a look at it here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is the good shepherd of our souls, and he is here, available to meet you where you are at. He knows what you carry, he knows your burdens. 
He knows the valleys and even the, the shadow of death you may have brushed up against. And in those dark places, he lays before you a table in the presence of your enemies, your enemies of anxiety, enemies of depression, enemies of confusion. And there he, he lays before us a heavenly portion from which we can find nourishment, provision, healing, and anointing that restores our soul. He restores my soul, uh, the psalmist says, and he leads me in paths of righteousness. And the, the restoration of our soul always involves our mind, our body, and our soul, the three. We read in Thessalonians, may God himself, the God of all peace, we will have this here shortly, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what this verse shows us is that we are tripartite. We are made up of, our, of a body, a physical body, of our, our soul and our spirit. When we're born again into our faith, we are born and we're made one with Christ in our spirits. And in our mind is where our will, our memories, and our emotions reside. But we are also embodied souls. That means we have a body. And we know now from a lot of research that, it, that our, our bodies actually hold stress and they hold on to all the, the stresses and the traumas of our past. And, and over, you know, from our childhood onwards, all these unprocessed traumas can remain in our physical body, stored in our nervous system. And I just want to explain this very briefly for a moment because our nervous system is broken up into two th areas, broadly speaking, our parasympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system. And depending upon the experiences you've had in life, we can have a heightened nervous system. So we're consciously scanning for situations of threat, or danger, or we pick it up in the bodies of another person. And this is God's way. This is how God made us. This is also a protective measure, our nervous system. If we're crossing the road and a car pulls out, our, our body kicks in and we will accelerate quickly with adrenaline and we'll move out of the way. The problem is when our body stays in that heightened state of anxiety, when that stress remains after the, 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 the threat has left, we can remain in that place of flight or fight. So that is a kind of a very brief understanding of the biological basis of anxiety. But as believers, if you trust in the Lord and you know the Lord, then we obviously want our, our biology to submit to our theology. We desire to be led by the Holy Spirit in all that we do. But so often anxiety can hijack us. So often when we go into a situation, we may, we, we may feel our heart is pounding and our hands get sweaty and we feel nervous because of the way we are built 
You see, anxiety can often make us feel fragmented, and I have an image here. And this fragmentation then within us means we have a distorted view of ourselves, of each other, and even of God. This is what anxiety can do to us. And because of that, we don't often see circumstances as they are, but how we perceive them to be. So then we overestimate the danger out there and we underestimate our ability to cope. But for the believer, anxiety is an opportunity to cry out to God to find hope and healing in our situation. So today we're really going to look at this from both a, a body and a soul and a spirit perspective over our three sessions, because I believe all three are important. Uh, to, to live in the spirit, to move in the spirit, we want to understand also our physical being and our body. And one of the, the, the greatest tools God has given us to calm our body is simply to breathe, to breathe. And lots of people and traditions have taken that out of context, but I believe it's actually really important that Christians reclaim breathing as a very simple tool to calm our nervous system. And when we're anxious and stressed, we, we breathe at a very shallow level. We don't breathe deeply, but we are to breathe into the pit of our stomach and allow our bellies expand and we're to breathe in. So what I'd love to do as we start our day, we're going to breathe and we're going to then uh, say a short verse. But I'd like us just to practice for a moment breathing. So you might like to just put down your sheets and your pens and paper. Um, and as we take a couple of deep breaths in, I want you just to, you may like to close your eyes because this is a moment for you and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to just really now take a deep breath in, into the pit of your stomach. And when you breathe in, you want to breathe in through your nose. And you want to breathe out slowly through your mouth. You want to breathe in, and you might like to even count for three. One, two, three, pause, and then try to breathe out slowly through your mouth. <coughs> Breathing out slowly through your mouth. And as you breathe in, really notice your stomach expanding. Really notice the diaphragm expanding. You might like to uncross your legs to sit into the chair. Really breathe into your belly and breathing out for three, four seconds. Now, after doing this for even a couple of deep breaths, you're going to feel a sense of peace because you're allowing oxygen into your body. God has given us oxygen. And you're already starting to feel a little calmer after your morning. 
So continue to breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. You're connecting to your body, your God-given body. And on your next breath, then, you might like to say to yourself, come, Lord Jesus, come. So in your breath in, come, Lord Jesus, come. And breathe out slowly. Again, saying to yourself, come, Lord Jesus, come. So Jesus is coming present in a deeper way as you connect with your breath, as you breathe out, you're starting to forget your worries, you're starting to become present. We read a lovely verse in Colossians 2.9 where it says, In Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. So why don't we say now to ourselves again, the fullness of Christ lives in me. The fullness of Christ lives in me. This is a wonderful prayer. That the fullness of Christ lives within us. By practicing the presence of the Lord... We're reminding ourselves that the fullness of Christ lives in me. If you can, continue to connect with your breath, breathing in and breathing out. And then there's a lovely verse in 1 John where it says, For he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And you might like to put your hand on your heart as we say this. And this one is on the screen. For he who is in me is greater than all that is coming against me. I paraphrased that. Why don't we say this verse together? He who is in me is greater than all that is coming against me. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he dwells in us permanently. He is available to you. He's available to your need. He's available to your heart. And he who is in you is greater than all that is coming against you in life. Amen. So over the next 20 minutes this morning, what I'd like to do 
is really look at what we mean by dis anxiety. It's really an introduction to anxiety. It's defining it, understanding it. Um, and then after our coffee break and after lunch, we're going to go into a slightly deeper understanding of anxiety. And that will be uh, a time for the Lord to minister, for the Lord to speak. Uh, but this morning, we're just going to get a kind of a, a grounding in understanding and an understanding of anxiety. So why don't we get straight into that? So how do we define anxiety? Well, anxiety is an emotion uh, that is characterized by an unpleasant state of inner turmoil, and it includes feelings of dread over anticipated events. Just to say, um, these slides can be made available to you, so don't feel there's any pressure to be making notes or to, to have to take it all in. You, you take and receive what you need, but we can get these notes to you. Sometimes when there's a lot of content, as there will be, um, we can lose what the Lord wants to say because of all the information, because we're note-taking. So just, just receive it, and we can make this available to you. Uh, anxiety can be defined as a persistent worry that doesn't go away even in the absence of the stressor. It can dominate your thoughts, your decisions, and it can impact relationships negatively. There are different degrees of worry and anxiety, and we will have a look at some of these right now on the screen. screen. <clears throat> Timidity. Timidity is a, a kind of feeling of shyness. It can be to lack courage, uh, confidence. Uh, we may become easily frightened in certain situations. Concern can be a mild form of anxiety. We can be concerned about our electricity bills, about our next paycheck. We can be concerned about our, our family. Concern can be a general um, state we live in. Worry is often the fear of tomorrow. We lose the here and now because we are worried about the future. Interestingly, the, the, in the Middle Ages, the word for worry meant to strangle, to choke, to constrict um, by tearing, biting, or snapping, which is an incredible definition of worry because that's what it does. It chokes us. Stress then is usually caused by an external trigger. It can be short-term, such as for an exam, work, illness, a relationship breakdown. And to some extent, we may live with a degree of stress all our lives. And stress in and of itself isn't a bad thing. It's how we manage our stress. And of course, then overwhelm. This is being just overwhelmed by all that life throws at us. And this can lead long-term to maybe burnout, uh, exhaustion, and we don't want to get to being in a place of overwhelm. What are some of the physical symptoms we may experience? Well, we'll see here that I'm sure everyone here can relate to this, that we all have experienced whether it is headaches, a dry mouth, tiredness, shortness of breath, 
maybe nausea. These are, these are different ways that anxiety can show up in our body. We may feel stomach pains. We may get cramps. Um, we may experience diarrhea, have to run to the bathroom before an exam. Sorry, you can go back there. Thank you. Um, we may have uh, weak legs. We often literally go weak in the knees before we experience something. These are all physical symptoms we can experience going through seasons of stress. And you may experience these and you go to your doctor and your doctor says, well, you know, based on what you're saying, I wonder, is there more going on? And your doctor may give you something for these. So he may give you tablets for your stomach. You might have IBS or you might have some other symptoms. But he also may say, would you, would you like to see a, maybe a psychologist? Or would you, would, you do, would you like me to refer you to a psychiatrist? And, and perhaps that's been some of your experience here. And if he does, then you may get one of these um, spoken to you. And we'll have a look at that, Rubens, now. You may get a diagnosis that you have a, a generalized anxiety disorder. This is excessive worry, chronic over everyday life. Or they may say to you, well, you have a separation anxiety disorder. And what this is, is where you become extremely anxious when a loved one leaves you. You get extremely anxious about your children or your partner, your husband or a loved one. You, you maybe fear their death. Or maybe you've experienced panic disorders. Um, very often people feel like they're having a heart attack in those moments where their heart is racing and they may actually be experiencing a form of a panic attack. Or agoraphobia is a fear of being in situations where it's difficult to escape, or a fear of being alone, or perhaps in open or closed spaces, a sense of panic comes over you. I am quite claustrophobic. I am not good in a small place. Last year, I had to get an MRI and I, I was dreading it because I had one years ago. And um, I knew that I, I cannot go into that machine. It just causes huge panic to come over me. <laughs> so my friend came with me and she was praying with me and I was breathing and I was praying. And they were so good at the hospital and they allowed my friend and she was, she was as I went up the machine, <laughs> she was still holding my... It was my, I think by the time I'd gone up the machine, she was holding my leg because I went up. But I had to just breathe and pray because when I go into a small space, I, I, I become automatically, my heart starts to race. I'm fine in every other situation. So anxiety can be very specific and it can be very individual. And what one person experiences can be very different to what another uh, person experiences. Someone may feel that they have a, a social anxiety. So in certain social situations, you may fear humiliation or embarrassment. It's a fear of being scrutinized or judged. Um, you fear other people are gonna negatively judge you. 
and people will go to great lengths to avoid those situations because of this. So these are just some brief types of anxiety that your doctor may talk to you about or a friend may tell you that she gets panic attacks or someone may say to you, well, actually, I, I get quite anxious around people. I have kind of a social anxiety. It's good to understand these types of anxieties because we hear about them more and more in everyday conversation now because sadly, they are so prevalent. So what do we know is a big factor as well as these presenting symptoms. What else do we want to look at when it comes to anxiety? Well, we know that there are certain kinds of thought patterns that occur with anxiety. There are certain kinds of unhelpful thinking patterns, and we will have a look at those in a moment. The first one is all or nothing thinking, black or white thinking. So I can, I, I can do it only all right, or I will never do it. Uh, black or white thinking. Or maybe a mental filtering. You won't look at your successes, but you only look at your failures. This mental filter, paying attention to certain kinds of evidence. So you'll never look at the positives, but maybe only look at the negatives. Or overgeneralizing. Nothing good ever happens to me or everything is always rubbish, or seeing a pattern that is based on a single event and generalizing it, or maybe disqualifying the positive, so discounting the good things that occur. The next slide there, we'll see sometimes we may jump to conclusions. We may just, before we know everything, we may actually jump to conclusions. Or we may reason a situation out that assuming that we feel a certain way, therefore it must be true. So we're not exactly looking for the truth, we must actually reason it out. We blow things out of proportion. I don't know, does anyone do that here? No? <laughs> anyone blow things out of proportion where we magnify situations? Or we may have a lot of shoulds and musts in our language and in our thinking style. We may label or we may also personalize things, such as blaming yourself or taking too much responsibility upon yourself. Can anyone relate to some of these patterns of thinking? Yeah, yeah, you can see maybe some of the ways you may fall into some of these thinking traps. Um, these kinds of styles of thinking are very common, uh, especially when we experience anxiety. So how, how do we start that process of, of wanting to challenge our thinking? Well, it's good to be aware, firstly. We want to catch our thoughts, we want to challenge our thoughts, and we want to change our thoughts. So today is a time where you may want to identify what are the kind of thinking patterns I have? What ways do I eliminate the good in my life? What ways do I diminish myself or look at another situation more positively or look at my situation more negatively? And as we catch our thoughts or we identify 
how do I think in a certain way, then we want to challenge our thoughts. And a way to challenge our thinking is by asking the question, is it true? Is it true? Now, this may seem simple, but you will be surprised at the amount of thoughts that go through our mind that are not based on truth or evidence. Like I said at the outset, anxiety will often distort truth within us. So these are some questions that you may like to ask yourself, and you may like to take these down, in fact. Firstly, is it true? I mean, that thought I'm having about that person, that situation I'm going through, through am I thinking about that in a truthful way? Is it logical? Am I jumping to conclusions here before I know all the information? Is it logical? <clears throat> Is it helpful? So often we have to maybe bring, it's so good to bring our concerns into uh, maybe to a friend or to someone in the pastoral team. Or It's good to bring what we're thinking to someone to actually say, you know, is this, am I on track here? Is this really helpful? And what evidence? Why do I think that is true? Am I, am, I, am I really just skewed in my thinking here? Because so often our thinking, as we will look after the coffee break and in the lunch, our thinking is coming from a place of uh, distortion. Are you going through situations at the moment in your life? And God is saying, I want to... I want to give you a different perspective with that situation. I'm, I'm wanting to show you a different way to see that situation. Can you identify maybe in your life some of the ways you, you fall into the negative thinking traps and you're not seeing things from God's perspective? We read a beautiful verse in Philippians where Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, we could spend the day looking at this verse. So I just want to look at that first quality. Whatever is true. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, think on that. Now, I always used to find this verse quite challenging when Paul, um, when we'd hear this preached or uh, someone would share it, because I always felt, well, life is a little bit more complex than this, Paul. I didn't live in your bubble. Life is a little bit more complex, and I can't just think on what is pure, lovely, and admirable. But actually, Paul was getting to some deep truths here in our lives. And he was saying, you know, think on what is true. Because he also writes in 2 Corinthians, we have to take every thought captive and make it obedient unto Christ. And so often our thinking is simply not true. It doesn't line up with reality and it doesn't line up with God's word 
We're going to press into that idea of truth again afterwards in our next break, after our break. What we know from uh, CBT is that our thinking really does matter because we see that our thinking impacts on how we feel about ourselves. This impacts on our physical symptoms like we talked about earlier, and then that impacts our behavior. So for example, if I think a certain thought, uh, my friend didn't text me back. I feel rejected. Why didn't she text me back? She, she didn't send me a heart emoji. <laughs> why, why didn't she send me back a heart? Why, why didn't? So I feel bad. So I may feel a slight pit in my stomach. I'm actually not going to go to that prayer meeting. So I've now made a decision based on a thought because of how I felt and my world constricted because I said, no, I, I don't want to be in a prayer meeting with her. That's the power of our thoughts. So what we want to do is break the cycle, break the cycle. And we do that by addressing our thinking and also our physical being by breathing. So for example, if you're going to a social situation and you feel incredibly anxious about going into that social situation and you know that you need to go there and you should go there and it's good for you to go there, but you know that you're going to feel incredibly anxious. Breathing and practicing the presence of the Lord before you go somewhere, declaring that, that he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world, will help ground you and will help equip you before you go into that situation. Of course, meditating on scriptural truth is key in our lives, key to becoming free from anxiety. Some of these verses I love. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Sometimes we need a verse to hold on to. Sometimes we just have to keep retur returning and repeating and saying, Jesus, I'm going to hold on to that verse until it is a reality in my innermost being. So as we bring this section to a close and as we just get a grounding in anxiety this morning, I just want to also say that sometimes our anxiety may come from other factors. We'll see here, such as the way our parents coped. Our, we may have had an anxious parent and the way they coped is now the way we cope. We may have a medical condition. So often women have thyroid problems, hormonal issues, and we may feel more anxious uh, because of that, particular times of the month or particular seasons of life. All of those factors make up who we are. Our parental relationships, which we will look at late, later, if we have any addiction or if we have a lack of routine, these factors can attribute to anxiety. 
gaps in our own life skills, coping, depending on the traumas you've had, they can impact upon your anxiety. Things that may help, of course, just again, wanting to nurture your body is things like, they advise reducing sugar and caffeine, bringing down the stress hormones in your body. Eating well, looking at your diet, having a good sleep routine, cutting down on screen time, having hobbies and outlets and ways that support you in your life are all practical things you can do to help in this whole area of anxiety. So this morning, what we've done so far has been really, uh, like I said, an introduction to anxiety, looking at the, the types, the spectrum of anxiety through from timidity right through to feelings of overwhelm, uh, how it leaves us fragmented within so that we may have distorted ways of thinking. And God wants to challenge our thinking so that we think on that which is true. In the next two sections, we're going to delve deeper into receiving God's love and comfort into those places so that we can say with the psalmist, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation and comfort brought me joy. So Father God, I thank you for each woman here today. I thank you that you are with us and that you have been sowing seeds, Lord, in our lives, giving us an understanding of the ways that anxiety may present in our lives. And Lord, as we just enjoy now a time of refreshment, I pray you continue to minister. Minister as we fellowship, as we chat. I pray, Lord, that we can let down the veil that we can be honest with our struggles. Lord, maybe it's not so much anxiety. Maybe people here are going through uh, grief or sadness or loss or depression. Maybe, Father God, your daughters are going through other issues. I pray, Lord, that we would reach out to someone we don't know right now and we would ask them how they're doing and that your good and gracious spirit would lead us into the fullness of all that you have for us. This day we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.